1: He says, somebody's in the house. And I
2: screamed.
3: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
1: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you you are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's a strange time, of course, to have a show that applies critical thinking to conspiracy theories. It's also a strange time to have a weekly segment called Strange News. And we are here for it. We've got some pretty fascinating stories today. But uh, there is one that kind of takes the granite cake that we need to open with. Uh, I got word of this through multiple people reaching out through multiple ways. The Georgia Guidestones uh, located in Elberton, Georgia, in the vicinity there of Elbert County, uh, have been attacked at 4 a.m. this morning. As we record, they were partially but not entirely destroyed. I reached out to the sheriff's office there. I reached out to Region 11 of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, as well as their open records unit and several other departments, all of whom confirmed the same thing. We can't talk about it too much right now because there haven't been very many statements released. But one of the things that I thought was very interesting as law enforcement hunts for the suspect who has destroyed like the main tourist attraction in that part of the state um, I thought it was very interesting that this is July 6th as we record this. The attack occurs um, around two months after a little-known politician here in Georgia named Candace Taylor posted uh, that if she was elected governor of Georgia, she would, quote, bring the satanic regime to its knees and demolish the Georgia Guidestones, Uh, And she started a hashtag, hashtag tear them down. Had you all heard of Candace Taylor before today or maybe during the race?
3: Yeah. Mainly because of this, you know, I mean, the Guidestones, I think, are near and dear to all of us and. I made a documentary about it years and years ago and, uh, spoke to Wyatt Martin, who is the gentleman who is the banker that kind of was the facilitator for the whole project with the, uh, anonymous stranger, RC Christian. And in the documentary, he predicted like on camera, he said, you know, I think maybe one day someone's just gonna come and blow the damn things up. And it was largely his perspective was because of all the controversy surrounding them as potentially being this satanic monument, um, I think all of us uh, through our discussion of this and, and through various other sources kind of debunked that as being a thing, but that doesn't stop people from using it. And it's been God going on 10 years since Wyatt said that he's now passed away, but uh, it, it did end up happening.
1: Yeah. And I heard about Candace Taylor spelled very strangely, Candace, uh, from John Oliver's piece he did on the Guidestones uh, titled Ooh. rocks, I think. Um, and I'd never heard of her before, and <laughs> it's it's very weird that this happened. The timing is a bit odd, wouldn't you, don't you think, Ben?
2: Yeah, we also uh, have a documentary via the Stuff They don't Want You to Know, building off some of your work, Noel. On, it was on Amazon for some time. I've been fascinated with these for quite a while before my biological family relocated to Georgia. And the thing about it is, you know, As I've always said, speculation thrives in the absence of transparency, Uh, but right now, whether or not you are fully ACAB or whether you are fully back the blue, you got to be human enough to note that the law enforcement of, of that area is having a rough day. So extend, oh, yeah. extend your empathy to them. Uh, they are inundated with calls. It proved to me, again, that politeness can go a long way. I'll update when I get more information that they're able to make public. Uh, but thank you to those folks. Uh, we do know, We do know that based on, I think, our or various research as individuals and as a group, that has been a tourist destination for people all over the world. It's also not uh, necessarily popular with all of the locals. Uh, Candace Taylor, I was aware of fairly recently during some debates as the gubernatorial campaign was ramping up, uh, and she was very much someone on the more extreme kind of QAnon side of the Mm. equation. If you enjoy a bit of political theater, and I'm not saying this is like a recommendation to vote or not vote for someone, but if you enjoy a good turn of kind of crazy phrase, then uh, do check (laughs) out some recordings of that. They were publicly uh, broadcast on uh, NPR and the local local Atlanta affiliates like WABE.
3: It's just interesting how, you know, something that I think at this point is... is become pretty non-controversial due to various uh, reports and all of that is is becoming a rallying point for far-right politicians. Um, you know, we definitely, through our research as a team and, and individuals, like you said, Ben, determined that R.C. Christian likely did have some mildly eugenic leanings. Um, there are some things about it and about his writings uh, as an individual that he did anonymously um, that, that do kind of, you know, follow this whole separate the wheat from the chaff kind of mentality. And, you know, we know the first um, guide or precept on there is maintain Earth's population at 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, which taken on its face, uh, no pun intended, um, you could be seen as a call for genocide. But, you know, um, as, as we've we've discussed, the Guidestones themselves were likely meant to be a rallying point for rebuilding society um, in the face of some sort of apocalyptic event. as we know they were constructed during the height of the Cold War. So there was a lot of that kind of uh, insecurity and, and paranoia around being blown up or mutually assured destruction. So when you take right. it that way, 500 million, not really a bad number to shoot for, but even then, to... Keep to that requires some level of selective breeding or selective, you know, deciding who gets to have kids and how many you get to have. So there's still somewhat of a eugenic bent even then. Right. Check out our earlier
2: episodes. I spent some time looking at the geography there and what would what would be sensible. A lot of the concerns are practical. Also uh, recommend the documentary, Dark Clouds Over Elberton, uh, which through some unethical moves, I think that's the right one, may have determined the identity of um, the guy going by the name
3: R.C. Christian. But I'd heard more about inform- that. Well, ben, yeah. what, what, did, what, what was the determination? I, I'd heard about that only just recently.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm plugged in, man. So the uh, what they did essentially, and I'm not passing judgment, that's for you, our fellow conspiracy realists, is they... You could say it's pretty unethical. There's a letter that was produced that had a return address on it. And the documentarians were well aware that they weren't supposed to be looking at that letter, but they got, they got visibility on that return address. And that was their lead that broke the they story. Were so
1: they were with they Wyatt worked,
3: Martin. Right. And they worked hard on
1: the yeah. documentary.
3: So I don't want to spoil their work, but you can find it. Well, it's interesting. Cause I mean, you know, I, a big part of the the film that I made and that we used a lot of footage from in the kind of version that we did um, as a show, Wyatt gave me a lot of the documents, um, pretty much all of the documents I have uh, that did not have um, R.C. Christian's true identity on them. So I've got a lot of photographs and correspondences and this letter that he kind of wrote, an open letter to that he asked to be published in the Elberton paper, kind of Dismissing, or at least trying to explain how it wasn't this satanic monument and everything else, uh, why it burned in a barrel. Um, and then when we, we we filmed that for the film, and you know, people always ask me, you know, did you ever want to take a peek into the barrel or you know, look through the stuff and and see who the guy was? And, and I unequivocally say no, because a it's it's disrespectful and unethical, like you say, and b I just don't think it matters given everything about the Guidestones that we know, um, I don't know how that would really be of much use or interest. I think the mystery is kind of part of the the fun or the kind of function even of, of the thing. And whether or not you believe there's some weird eugenic or occultic or Illuminati bent to it, I do think it's fascinating that someone would take it upon themselves to build this kind of high point that people could rally around in the event of a a nuclear holocaust, I think that's fascinating. and we have so few things these days that that, that are able to remain anonymous. So I'm all about maintaining that. Maybe that makes me a bad reporter. I don't know. But I, I, it's something that I thought was important.
2: Yeah. And as I've we seen the folks from Dark Clouds over Elberton did not share that same compunction. They went deep. They took about five years to do it. Would love I would love to hear what you think about that one, folks. Um, again, you can learn all the facts about it in our earlier episode. Um, for now, I think the deal we can crack with the... Uh, with you, fellow conspiracy realist, is that when I get some further updates, as on the record as I can get them uh, regarding this situation, I'll treat it like my part of a weekly listener mail segment. So hopefully there will be more of that in the coming weeks. So I did think it was important just to highlight this because I'm sure you have heard about it uh, and you've probably heard about it for a few days, and to thank everyone uh, who reached out to me. I appreciate it. As we always say, you're the best part of the show. I wanted to end my part of this weekly segment uh, with something that is very, very good news and sounds science fiction-y. It's official. I I learned about this, and this came out a while ago. I say a while ago. It was earlier in June, June 13th. Uh, but it could be huge. If you've listened to our stories on plastics and on microplastics, you're well aware of the problem. Uh, many people who work in the plastic industry, as a matter of fact, have written to us about the scope of this issue. Just fairly recently, scientists discovered worms that don't just eat plastic, but they can digest it. They can digest styrofoam, Ooh. they can like take it into their bodies. Take nutrition it from away? it. And yes, and this is like, you know, it's polystyrene, is the technical sure. name. But uh, this is one of the most common types of plastic. It's somewhere between 7 to 10% of all the what's called non fibrous plastic produced. Uh, this thing, this, it's specifically the Darkling Beetle Larva, which sounds very Elden Ring, very Dungeons and Dragons, sounds I love like. It. Yeah, you collect it to make consumables or something. This thing can't just eat this occasionally. This larva can exist entirely off a diet of styrofoam
3: and grow into adulthood. Okay. Wow. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So do we now create farms, essentially, where we send all our plastics and that these worms— eat them and then is there maybe an un uh, recognized as of yet consequence where uh, we get let them eat them unchecked and they grow into like super worms that then become a new problem we have to deal with
1: and they start eating vinyl siding and stucco on yeah. all of our homes yeah. Yeah, like the giant they, snails from africa <laughs> Just so
2: (laughs) (laughs) nice. Uh, That's a that's another related story, Matt. You and I were talking about Hmm. that off air. Yeah, it's a good question, especially when consider that pretty much every living thing has plastics of some sort in it, including you listening today, no matter what year it is. Here's what they're hoping to do, and this comes from the author of the study, a guy named Chris Rink. What they're hoping to do is not grow the worms necessarily street name is Zophobus morio, they're hoping to sample the gut flora. So this is related to uh, the gut flora stuff we did earlier. They want to isolate the microbial genes that can digest this polystyrene through a process known as metagenomics. And then they want to produce enzymes from that on a large scale and just use the enzymes in a recycling plant. So in a way they're ripping off the worms. They're taking the work that the worms are doing and they're, you know, and they're throwing the worms away. Nobody's worried about what's happening to the worms. Sadly, that's a conversation for another day, but I got to ask, you know, people have their own personal phobias. If you could, have a mini recycling plant in your house in the future. That was just this worm terrarium, and you just when you were done with plastic stuff, you just threw you know your your plastic bottle of Mountain Dew zero sugar Baja Blast into the terrarium. This is Would aluminum, okay? sir. That's aluminum. Yes, but surely you to have go- a you need goats version. for that.
3: Yeah, that's a good yeah. You <laughs> can go <laughs> goat snack, but I mean, and I, can I also picture know, it being chop up lawns. I picture it. Yeah. Terrarium is exactly right, Ben. I picture it like I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking like an ant farm where you can kind of view them like going through their little tunnels and stuff, but it's entirely oh. made of like, you know, plastic. Remember those like cross sections you used to see in like Earth Day uh, situations that would show you like a, a cross section of a landfill? I'm picturing that, but like also populated with these worms that are eating their way down through it, like the very hungry caterpillar kind of situation. Mm. Um, I think that would be remarkable and a a really fun way to have some, uh, some pets. yes. Yeah, so that's that's my question. Going back to what I was
2: setting up about phobias, I know a lot of people have a phobia about insects or worms or things that crawl in the subterranean world. Would you be okay with this in your own home? Let us know. Also, let us know if you uh, blew up the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and we'll return with even more strange news.
5: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Scentiva. Also available in Grapefruit and Lavender Scents at a nearby retail store.
1: Welcome back. Now, everyone, the following segment will be dripping with sarcasm. I am sorry for that. I, I do apologize in advance. Uh, this, this segment is for, it's for everybody because we can all learn something from this. This is a life hack that we can all, I think, use in our lives at some point. At some point in our lives, this will be relevant. Okay. Mm. So, guys, let's just imagine we're we're living in Midtown Manhattan, as we have for just forever, and it's finally summertime, and we get to head ah. on out to our vacation spot in Long in Beach. The it's on Long Beach. Oh, in the sorry, Hamptons. It. Got it is in no, the I Hamptons. Like uh,
2: oh, it's in the Hamptons. Okay. Hamptons like are on Long Island. Yeah, They're
1: on Long Island. I didn't all right, know that. so
2: now we are. It's vacation. Vacation. Yeah, it's vacation time. time.
1: Oh, man. All right. Pop in the oh, Here's the other thing. <laughs> here's the other thing. You're somewhere between 50 and 70, roughly. Let's say. Let's say we're in our You're early 60s. Years old. Okay, got it. Got it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, years old. Um, and we got to drive from Midtown Manhattan all the way to the Hamptons. Now, you all may think, the way. <laughs> That's going to be my schlep for this.
3: That's that's a schlep (laughs) right there. That's what they call a schlep in New York. Yeah,
1: it really is a schlep because uh, you're in Manhattan, which is that little island. And then Long Island is this big island that comes out Mm -hmm. kind of right below it. And you got to head east. And here's the thing. You don't even think about it. When you're, you know, deciding you got to go out to your place in the Hamptons, it only costs like eight million dollars. It's relatively cheap, actually, for the houses out there in the Hamptons. It
2: was a good investment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we only go there a couple of times a year during the summer, you know, Mm -hmm. or when it it gets just too cold, whatever. Um, (laughs) Usually it'll take our driver, you know, whoever's running the rolls, about two and a half hours to get from Manhattan out there to the Hamptons. Here's the thing. Guys, our bladders, now that we're in our 60s, they're not what mm-hmm. they used to be. Wait, it's, you don't have a chemical
3: <laughs> toilet in the back of your rolls,
1: Matt? <laughs> no, no, no chemical toilets back there. Um, it's more of a Maybach thing. That's for the young kids. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> it's fair. Mm-hmm. There's just a slot. Uh, but anyway, okay, so. we <laughs> <laughs> what you um, use those Mountain Dew bottles for. It, uh, the yeah, worms yeah, yeah, are yeah, going to eat later, yeah.
2: Two and a half hours. You're in the roles, Uh, like many many people. Late later in life, in what we call the new middle age, you know, uh, you you sometimes you get more conscious of uh, where a bathroom is, huh? Your golden years.
3: They call them your golden years because you're always pissing yourself.
1: That's right. That was, you that's right. That out. You that <laughs> no, out, that's sorry. perfect. It's perfect. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it but it's you. a real concern. It's a real concern. And I'm not trying to be ageist here. It's a real concern. As as people get older, bladder control becomes an issue um, for for men and women. It's just a problem for men. It's usually a prostate and a large prostate gland that, you know, it just messes with your bladder and it makes you have to use the bathroom more. Uh similar problems can happen with women where it's just incontinence. It, it's, it's harder to control when you pee and how often you pee, right? That's the serious part. That's really mm-hmm. the only serious part Well, there, there might be yeah, one or your two prostate more. Checked. <laughs> yeah, for real, seriously, get your prostate checked, get your downstairs bits checked. Just do it. Uh No matter you know, what you got. I went to a doctor's
3: there. appointment like a year or so ago and I asked for them to check my prostate and they looked at me funny. They said I was too young. Um, which I feel like it's its own kind of ageism. I'd be like, well, if I want you to check my prostate, shouldn't you just check my prostate? Yeah, I don't know. I'm right? Sorry we keep interrupting that, but it's an <laughs> no, it's it's, okay. it's age-related risk thing.
2: It's a calculus. Yes, so if, that's you're right. Right, if you're like that's most right. people, then you if you have an average risk, then age 50 is when you're supposed to start getting them. But if you have mm. a high risk of it, maybe in your family or something, age 45, I dropped out of my fake New York voice to underline the fact that it is important.
1: But now yes. we're back on the road. All right, hey. we're back on the road. So it Forget could take two and a half hours. It's You got to get on this thing. It's crazy. It's called the Long Island Expressway. A lot of people yeah. call it the big lie. L.I.E. Yep. Uh, it's It's kind of terrible, guys. There really Mm. aren't many places to go to the bathroom there. And now that, you know, the whole pandemic thing is letting up a bit, at least in people's minds, uh, traffic has increased like crazy along this expressway. So now instead of that two and a half hours, it's going to take you four and a half hours, maybe, maybe even five hours to get all the way from your mid midtown Manhattan penthouse to your Hamptons, $8 million beach house. Mm. So, uh, that's a real problem. What are you going to do? He and some kind of Mountain Dew zero sugar Baja, Baja Blast canister. I'm not going to use a can, that's
2: so going to use a bottle. Come on. You
3: have to use a
2: bottle. It's the old PI trick because you can screw the top back on. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: Get one well, no.
2: Gatorade. No one will know.
1: <laughs> but no, that's not the answer. That's not the oh. answer. The answer is uh, to get surgery on your prostate or to inject your bladder with botox
2: botulism Whoa. this is something yes. i hadn't heard about until you brought it up matt and at first i'm going to be honest with you man You're one of my favorite people i trust you to the end but i i thought is matt pranking me here is this like a
3: <laughs> i'm pranking this- me
1: Pranking, I'm breaking everyone. I'm breaking everyone.
3: <laughs> you know, do do what you will. People do all kinds of things to feel good about themselves. And Botox freaks me out just because I don't like needles and the idea of shooting, you know, toxins into your face. But this sounds like at least kind of a functional, practical use for this stuff.
1: In a way, it is. Um, it really does reduce the need to urinate so often if you have Botox injected into your bladder. The uh, process doesn't look that uh, fun, but you know it—it it, it, it can be done. It can be done pretty easily. I was looking at the Mayo Clinic website. They've got you know how it's done, what it does, how long it lasts. If you do get one injection into your bladder, it lasts about six months, and you will urinate less or have the—you will have less of an urge to urinate Ooh. as often, if that makes and sense. And
2: that's perfect for uh, vacation season. Perfect
1: <laughs> for, the, for the summertime <laughs> as spring is rolling around. I pack,
2: Just, <laughs> I get my PAE, my prostatic artery embolization.
1: You oh, know. that's the other thing. The, that's, that's the other the thing. One. That's not the Botox. That's a different <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. That's the procedure where you, this one's a little more involved. I was reading on Hopkins, uh, John Hopkins Medicine. They've got a website. Is this Hopkins maybe Hopkins a trigger warning
3: for people that have body horror issues is no. going to? Okay. All right.
1: It's not that it's I, not I that got insane. All right, go on. All, all you have to do is go to your doctor. And if, if, especially if you're of that age that we mentioned, you ask your doctor to check out um, the old prostate and they generally do that in the way we all know about uh, with a digit and they, you know, do some, some testing of your urine, just see what's going on down there. And then they can reduce the size of your prostate. It's really interesting it there's there are these what are they how do they describe it it says tiny round microspheres are injected through the catheter that's you know going into you into the blood vessels that feed your prostate and it just reduces the blood supply to that thing and it shrinks it down and then your bladder doesn't have the pressure on it that it once did now you're good to go for that four and a half hour trip to your eight million dollar mansion
2: Okay, written with a, a little bit of disregard for like the author clearly thinks this is a uh, rich person's problem unless you're editorializing. But Matt, with that, uh, this is something I don't think uh, I don't think we mentioned on air yet. Uh, this condition that people are treating with P A E and uh, bladder botox it, it has a name, right?
1: Oh, yes. Well, it's at least being coined Hamptons bladder as in driving to the Hamptons <laughs> <His bladder. laughs> issues because of that Long Island Expressway. I only know about this because of the reporting or the writing, at least, from Dory Luak or Luick L-E-W-A-K, from Insider. She wrote an article titled Rich New Yorkers are getting bladder surgery and Botox to avoid bathroom breaks on the drive to the Hamptons. Um, it is a very, oh, uh If you think we're being sarcastic, read this article. Oh, my goodness. Uh,
2: (laughs) Tongue in in cheek. Not going to say which cheek.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Thanks, man. And it's a joke. It just really doesn't apply to anything. This is not stuff they don't want you to know. The news has been atrocious over the past couple of weeks, and I just wanted something that's silly, that doesn't matter, uh, but it could be helpful because we're all hopefully going to be in our 50s at some point. Everybody, you listening right now and maybe you will need to get your prostate shrunk or your bladder botoxed and uh and that's totally fine and that's okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just yeah. be aware that if you have to do the procedure with the prostate it costs about 20 grand out of pocket mm. so wow. that's chunk change <laughs> that's that's like you know a uh, maybach car wash <laughs> well it may not be for us if we have to pay out of pocket but if we have health insurance and we need it Maybe we can would, make it happen.
3: Would that be considered a uh, like, you know, how uh, to get things covered by insurance. There, There's all kinds of assessments that take place. Do you think because of the uh, Botox situation that would be considered a cosmetic procedure just automatically? Or is this like a quality of life procedure? Like, I wonder how it would be categorized in uh, insurance parlance. It's not a bad question and it's uh I think it's an
2: important question. One thing I found I haven't again I learned about this from you Matt. I have I learned it by watching you. I haven't uh, uh I haven't dropped into too much research here, but from what I understand initially, Medicare does cover Botox for overactive bladder treatment because it may be necessary. So that may be um useful because although this is getting reported kind of in the framework of rich people problems it's still it's still true like having um issues with your bladder it's not as though your bladder checks your income or your net worth before having a problem right so it makes it makes sense to me logically that something like medicare would cover that but we're not insurance experts and we're definitely not experts uh, or
3: fans of privatized medical insurance. Well, well, and we're also not fully in in the era of like life extension technology for the super rich yet, or like Gattaca level gene splicing or or selective breeding. So we got to jump on what we can in terms of like giving the Richies a bit of a hard time.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I have to read you guys a quote from the article there from Insider. It comes from a New York urologist named Dr. David Schusterman. And he, said, he says uh, patients have told him about all these uh, fights that they have in cars while they're on their way to the Hamptons. And when like a friend in the car needs to go to the bathroom and then keeps having to go to the bathroom, but there's nowhere to get off the road. So you just, mm-hmm. it becomes a fight in the vehicle. And then a fight about whether or not you will actually go to the lengths of peeing into a bottle. Um, And then there are no there are no places to stop. And he says, quote, thousands of people are probably fighting about this every week. And he can relate. The doctor can relate, according to the article, quote, I can't tell you how many arguments I personally get into. I've lost three friends because I'm the driver and (laughs) refuse to stop for them. There's just no place to stop.
3: Well, In general, are you guys stoppers or are you guys like drive till the bitter enders? Because I'm a drive to the bitter
1: ender. If my son's in the car, then we're stopping whenever he's got to go. If not, we're, we're going until we get there or well, until I mean, we got to eat. Then I can be. My kid's,
3: my kid's 13, so it's like if, if she's like, okay, I've got to go to the bathroom and we're like 45 minutes from the destination, I'm going to put up a bit of a fuss. I'm like, come on. Surely you can hold it for forty-five minutes, but again, this is a thirteen-year-old versus a, a geriatric individual. So, but I, I don't know. It seems like an interesting thing to lose a friend over. I want to shout you out, Matt, because I love uh, how
2: <laughs> instantly, as always, reading the story in preparation for this, um, I love the way you uh, wrote the description so much that I even like had to reach out to you about it because it does it does feel. Like a curb your enthusiasm problem, yeah. it does, yes. doesn't it?
3: I, it I don't so. know if
2: Larry still listens to the show, but <laughs> but Larry, I think you would, you might want to give Matt a little, a little nod in the credits next season. Oh no, 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 one. no!
1: Look, a- anybody can mm-hmm. can uh, write or say his pretty, pretty, pretty line in the way that it should be said. Uh, <laughs> guys, Just every time I watch. Point yes i agree anytime i watch anything on hbo it doesn't matter what it is as soon as that that screen comes up with the hbo logo and you get that oh every time in my head yes
0: yes
3: Yes. Uh, Uh, i'm with you dude i'm with you that show's been around for like going on 20 years (pause�) yeah true it's crazy yeah and if
2: you want to uh if you want to know my my foolproof uh method for road trips, folks, you can just write to me directly. I don't want to take too much room explaining it
3: because it is somewhat in depth.
1: But wait, I guarantee wait, no. it will work. Duh, that, this is the right time, Ben.
2: This is the
0: no,
3: perfect no, time. No, 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 no. We
2: got to keep
0: some I, mystery.
3: Well, I, I don't think-, I think he really wants to share it, Matt. I think he's just
1: teasing. He's teasing <laughs> off. No, no. You got to have I'm I'm speaking secrets, in sincerity. I'm well, speaking see, in sincerity I-
2: but just write to me, and I'll, I'll tell you.
1: I always Whoa. get a Calypso Island Wave lemonade bottle that must be empty and uh-huh. uh, I found that this is the perfect amount of urine and it's also got a very wide uh, top here Dude. so it just it can hearing you can say
3: Calypso Island <laughs> Wave lemonade made me produce that much urine <laughs> just sitting here just putting that out there
1: and it's got a top it's got a lid so there you go mm-hmm. that's right there perfect. you
3: go you know what's
2: up
1: Matt. all right well Uh, that's it. I hope that was helpful for everybody, especially you. (laughs) It was helpful for us. We'll be right back with more strange news.
2: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
3: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
5: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva, With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut... Also available in Grapefruit and Lavender Scents at a nearby retail store.
3: And we're back with one more piece of strange news. Uh, Fellas, have either of you ever been to a screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. Yes. You know what? you guys have both also been to space camp. Uh, I, I haven't been to space camp. I've also never been to a screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's down I, the street.
2: I, I, it's
1: like every Friday. I know. Friday <laughs> I know. I know. Down just the walk, I, I walk know. out just, of the bar. I they just, were always just, at and go left. So. I just never
3: <laughs> managed to go. It's not something I feel like I should go to by myself, but maybe I'll change that. Um, <gasps> uh, here's the thing. Like, okay. So films like that and like the, the, what is it? The room, there are other mm-hmm. ones. Um, they're usually, you know, longstanding cult classic films films that have these traditions of people showing up in costume, bringing particular props, shouting at the screen, singing little songs, doing little rituals that are kind of outside of the film itself. It's very participatory. Anybody that hasn't seen the film or isn't familiar with the culture would be completely clueless as to what's going on. But also it would probably be very entertaining. You don't typically associate that kind of stuff with brand new first run movies that are like, you know. In the theaters for a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. But thanks to a little something called TikTok, uh, that's now beginning to change um, with the release of Minions, The Rise of Gru. So I sort of started getting hip to something in the water um, before the, the movie even came out um, in that it was just, it was getting memed like crazy. I mean, minions have been meme fodder for some time. Um, it, you know, they're cute little guys. There's, they all kind of have a different look. There's different arrangements of them. You can do that kind of image macro where you have this stack of minions represent one concept and this other minion that's being abused in some way representing another. Uh, but all of a sudden, leading up to the, the release of The Rise of Gru. The meme minion meme content just kinda started going out of control and and my kids pretty tapped into this stuff, you know, more so than than, than me and, and any of us, I think, at least in terms of the very kind of specific kind of TikTok meme culture, uh, which is its own thing. Uh, and I'm not really, I'm sort of like a second run TikTok memer. I'll see them when they've been reposted on Instagram a couple of days later. Um, but I was curious. And all of a sudden, my kid's just losing her mind about this new Minions movie. And She's never really been, you know, the Minions movies are fun, the Despicable Me and all of that and, and grew. Uh, but it's never been something that she's been particularly bonkers about. And all of a sudden she is, not staying with me this particular night, and she goes to see Minions and is messaging me after and saying, "Oh my God, Dad! It was absolutely you know top quality cinema. There were so many dapper gentlemen in the crowd." I'm like, "What? Ooh,
2: gentle Minions? That's what they're gentlemen.
3: called." Gentleman, <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, uh, she's like, What you don't know about the hashtag Gentle Minions trend, mm-hmm. yeah?" And I did not, and I was wondering about the you know the uh, explosion of of Minions memes, but this is why there was this. Hashtag somebody started on TikTok, hashtag Gentle Minions, and it led to an absolute just, you know, explosion of people showing up to the premiere of the Minions movie wearing their uh, formal wear, their, their, their most dapper formal attire. Suit jackets, collared shirts, ties, and all of that stuff going to, to theaters to see this movie. Not only that, and you may know that the Minions are, are quite fond of bananas, they say banana a lot, and they like bananas for whatever reason. I think they maybe weren't the minions like born on an island or something. Or am I thinking of the Olympus? I might be confused. There's a lot of crossover in this lore. But anyway, um, people across the country and the world have been showing up to premieres of the uh, Minions movie, The Rise of Gru, wearing this formal attire, um, doing all kinds of crazy dances, shouting at the screen, throwing bananas, making a real hullabaloo. And it's led to some of the largest theater chains uh, on the planet, specifically one called Odeon, um, that I think is only in the UK and Australia. It's not in this neck of the woods or in this country, um, leading to them banning anyone showing up to the Minions movie wearing formal attire. I'm not joking. There's you can find images online of people posting photos of you you may remember. I think it was one of the uh, Incredibles movies where there was a lot of uh, controversy around. There was like a scene that had a lot of um, uh, flashes in it that could lead to epileptic issues with people that have that condition. So there were signs saying, you know, warning people that this film contained a sequence, you know, with some really bright, uh, rapid flashes. This sign is much different. It reads, uh, due to recent disturbances following the hashtag gentle minions trend, any group of guests in formal attire will be refused entry for showings of minions. The rise of grew disturbances, you know, and and I kind of get it because it's like, uh, this isn't a cult movie. When you go to see Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know what you're signing up for. You're going to be a part of this kind of um, experiential thing, this sort of interactive, almost theater, but people that are just fresh out of a pandemic, finally making out of the theaters with their kids who are maybe, you know, pandemic babies who are just now maybe old enough, maybe not babies, but you know what I'm getting at, uh, to see a, a first run theatrical release of which there are much fewer lately. Of course, uh, this could be kind of annoying. Um, they apparently, a lot of these, uh, theaters, including regal cinemas here in the United States and, and AMC and the like, uh, have had to issue a lot of refunds. So while, uh, the company Illumination Entertainment, um, behind the Minions movie ha- seems to have embraced this, this trend. Uh, they actually did a tweet saying that they, you know, people showing up to see the Minions movie in your suits. We see you. it uh, actually specifically it's universal pictures, which is, you know, who owns, uh, illumination to everyone showing up to hash at minions in suits. We see you and we love you. And then the little emoji of the heart fingers, um, But again, this could potentially be causing some financial disruption to the actual franchises of the theaters. Um, There was even a story I saw about some, you know, teens, uh, adults even like, you know, I mean, adults is a relative term, I suppose, here. But dressing up in like outfits like resembling like custodial staff and, uh, you know, sneaking in buckets of bananas that they then, you know, ran amok with. So uh, I don't know. I just think it's fascinating what leads to a meme like this and how it can go one of a couple of directions. This is obviously one that's been very positive for the movie overall, because it's, I think, a a record breaking uh, opening weekend. I think it made, you know, north of a hundred million dollars. I think it's like, you know, heading towards uh, breaking some records for an opening um, Fourth of July weekend. But also it seems to be causing some problems for the individual theaters and also for, you know parents trying to take their kids to the movie not wanting to be disrupted by ironically uh, suit clad tweens um, another example of this that maybe didn't go this direction that we talked about a little bit off air that I'd love to hear what you guys think about is what happened with the movie Morbius which is a uh, pretty poorly reviewed um dc movie or sony rather it's a spider-man villain um or i don't know he's kind of an anti-hero i guess played by jared leto he's like a doctor that becomes a vampire and apparently the movie's quite bad but it created so much meme content that even after it bombed in the theaters the first time um sony was like hey look at all these memes so they re-released it to a second run in the theater specifically on the steam of these memes meme steam um and it bombed a second time Uh, So it was like double embarrassing for Sony because they didn't quite get why the memes were happening. But uh, uh, Universal seems to have uh, just kind of rolled with it. So I don't know. What do you guys think? What makes a meme? What makes a moment like this?
1: Uh, Well, I haven't seen Morbius yet, guys, so I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I'm trying to think of other meme things like this. The only thing I can remember is Star Wars when it was... Just at the end of high school, and the new Star Wars, the new Star Wars were coming out. The what were those? The prequels, yeah. And people were just going to the theaters dressed as Jedi. That's all that's the only thing I can remember. Yeah,
2: that's a common thing. There's also, I mean, inseparable from this conversation is something that uh, Matt, you and I touched on briefly a while back. Uh, and then I think the three of us touched on it in an earlier strange news segment. Um, It's that marketing is inseparable from this. So one of the goals of marketing operations for anything is to go viral. Uh, So in the case of Minions, it's completely possible that a marketing campaign was started, right, to appear organic. I don't have any proof of this, um, but I did read a fantastic article from G q about gentle minions uh, by Grant Rinder. So shout out to you, Grant. That just came out yesterday. I want to say. um in this, uh, they discuss how this thing evolved. The world of ubiquitous media has definitely eased the process, lessened the friction of making things go um, <laughs> go viral, though I don't care for the way that phrase is used often i like to think when these things happen that they are organic and that people are just enjoying it and Working together collaboratively the way that people in sports stadiums would toss balls, right? Together with strangers yeah. you didn't or like know. Do or the wave. do the wave. the right. wave, right? And so the, the reason I think that's such a good comparison, is, and I'm not sure if people have made that comparison yet, is because it asks very little from the participant. And the award, the reward for your action is to be part of something bigger. But it's also very easy to game that. Uh, especially if you can originate a hashtag and sort of hide your hand, or get some influencers to originate a hashtag. In the goal of Morbius, no, I'll I'll shut up in a second. In the goal of Morbius, um, I do want to point out that this was reversed because the people who were doing this on forums across the internet knew that they control the studio's marketing arms, right, and they wanted. Morbius, which has been a panned film, right? They wanted Morbius to flop, and so they uh, they tried to make it seem as though there was this groundswell, even though it was quite sarcastic and snarky if you were in the know uh, and it worked. Morbius's re-release uh, made three hundred thousand dollars over over the weekend when it first released uh, that breaks down, according to Hypebeast, that breaks down to about uh, $289 per theater. So they really did a successful trolling. I'm just saying those are two examples of how it can go either way, but hopefully it's organic.
3: And I think every time I've seen a a marketing company or marketing department try to create something organically or, or create something that resembles an organic meme, it usually falls flat. Um, so I, I would argue that this uh, minions thing is just an example of ironic uh, Gen Z humor, kind of run amok uh, in a way that's pretty innocuous and just leads to some kind of viral moments uh, and mild annoyance, you know, for theater employees.
1: Guys, I'm looking at Box Office Mojo for Morbius. It's looking like it's worldwide release. Remember how we talked about the international versus domestic. Yeah, releases. It's made one hundred and sixty three, almost one hundred and sixty four million dollars. Now, that's interesting, Matt, because you got to wonder if these American
3: memes are translating to butts and seats in other countries, too, because, I mean, there really is no I mean, it depends on the country, I guess, and how your Internet is or is not censored, but uh things are interpreted differently. And also. You know, we know that uh, movies that maybe seem corny here or are panned sometimes do remarkably well um, in other countries, um, depending on you know the property. So that's you know, obviously that makes the movie worth having been made. <laughs> so I don't know that uh, executives are like too salty about all this stuff at Sony. If that's the case, that's pretty good.
1: But what was the budget of the movie? I don't I don't have that information here. Uh, usually, you do when you check out. Box office mojo. Anybody 75 else got million.
3: That? Yeah. Okay. There Original release earned 163 million worldwide. Uh, only 74 million domestically. Uh, so it only it earned a million dollars less domestically than its 75 million dollar budget. But internationally, um, it's uh, it's it's basically considered kind of a mild success. But it does have the rare distinction of being um, one of the only if not the only movie that bombed twice at the domestic box office. So there you have it. Minions and Morbius, uh, memes and movies. Um, what what makes a meme? Let us know. You can do that in a lot of ways, actually.
2: That's right. Let us know also if you live in the Albert region. Uh, I just heard from some folks that I'm going to ask to go take some direct photographs of this. Uh, let us know if you'd be okay with plastic-eating worms living in your house for the greater good. Uh, what's the longest road trip you have taken? without peeing and do you want to know Uh do you want to, <laughs> to know the nuts and bolts of uh my somewhat militant road trip policy yes uh, yes all, all these and more you can find uh by reaching out to us online We're on Facebook is here's where it gets crazy we're on Twitter as conspiracy stuff Instagram is conspiracy stuff show you can find us on YouTube as well but wait you might be saying I myself am not a partaker of social media I like my media old school a drunk town crier in the public square if i want to contact you i'm talking direct i need a phone number well do we have some news for you
1: yes we have one of those and it's 1833 stdwytk when you call in you will hear ben you will hear the music that you know and you love and then you can leave a 3 minute voicemail message when you do leave one of those messages Please give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. Shout out to Brockness Monster, uh, Ali, Hank, Schmando, Adam, more broccoli always. Tex, Joseph, Jack, Durs, Skippy, Ramus, everybody. Liquid Matt, you too. Thanks everybody for calling in. There's so many of you. We really do appreciate it. And please continue. If you've got more to say than can fit in a three-minute voicemail message, why not instead? Send us a good old-fashioned email. We are
3: conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
1: Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio.